Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Truth About Trucking, live, hosted by Alan Smith, a 30-year OTR veteran, business entrepreneur, and motor carrier transportation consultant, specializing in assisting students and new drivers, and pushing forward to raise the standards of the trucking industry. And now, live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, here's your host, Alan Smith. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Blog Talk Radio's premier trucking talk radio show, Truth About Trucking Live. I'm Alan Smith, and today is Thursday, December 3rd, 2009, and we are live from Citrus County, Florida, located about 80 miles north of Tampa, and we appreciate you tuning in to our show this evening. And we are uh, all aware of the problems within the OTR trucking industry, and many of us have made these problems very clear lately, but this evening we are going to be discussing and focusing on solutions for these uh, problematic issues, and uh, Donna will be sitting in as the main host for the show with her special guest, uh, Desiree Wood, who we all know as Trucker Desiree, and also with us is Mr. Tom Hansen, a former uh, driver trainer with years of experience in the trucking industry, and most of you are aware that Trucker Desiree and Tom appeared in the first TV broadcast of Dan Rather Reports on the uh, cable channel HDTV, which uh, really stirred up the OTR industry uh, because our uh, two guests had the guts and courage to step forward publicly and actually spoke about these troubling issues that have been going on for years within the trucking uh, transportation field. But this evening, our agenda is solutions to these problems, and Donna has been working diligently in preparation for our show, so I'll be working quietly in the background, handling the switchboard and and chat room and any calls we may receive, and we certainly invite you to call in and join in on the conversation. Uh, We're going to see how this goes. Seems like we're having some kind of problem with the phones here. Um, We'll see what goes on here in a second, but um, share any thoughts and solutions you may have that... uh, can better the trucking industry as a whole, as well as for all the drivers out there. Uh, Our call-in number is 347-826-9170. So we welcome your call, and we will be glad to have you uh, be a part of this live broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live right here on Blog Talk Radio, Uh, 347-826-9170. And uh, let me see what's uh, still waiting for. Here we go. Uh, everybody's popping in here now. Good. I was running out of my little spill here, <laughs> having trouble getting on the line. So looks like everybody's here. Uh, uh, so um, let me just give a quick uh, welcome to the show for Trucker Desiree and Tom Hansen. And and uh, let me open up the mics here. Uh uh, pull this one up here and this one, 
and this one. And um, so uh, welcome to the show, and a special thanks to all our listeners uh, for tuning in. And um, uh, Donna, I know you receive uh, email every day from uh, people across the U.S. sharing their stories and their experiences with this industry, and I assume you'll have a little rundown of these problems and issues, but the main focus is on solutions this evening, so you've done a great job in bringing this show together, and uh, I'll turn it over to you. Hi. Okay. Hi, everybody, and um, I want to thank um, Desiree and Tom for being on here. I know they have so much here to offer, and I'm going to try to get through what I want to um, say so we, we don't lose time. Last time, you know, we had an hour and a half show, and it just wasn't enough. Um, we've pretty much established that there's um, abuse. Hey, Donna? Yes. Hey, let me check, make sure, because uh, this one line, make sure that is Tom. Tom, are you with us? I've got one number here, but I, I, Tom, is that you? Online. This is Desiree on, on one line. Hi, Desiree. Right. Uh, Tom, are you with us yet? Okay, I, I've just, I think this one call is just uh, someone listening through their phone, so I don't see Tom yet, but Desiree's here. But go ahead, Don. If I see his number pop up, I'll jump in. It's, okay. Um, okay, so like I said, last time we established, it's been established that there are um, abuses. It's, it's pretty much all over the Internet, even, you know, organizations that weren't talking about it are talking about it now. And now we need to come up with these solutions. Now, a lot of people say, well, this doesn't really affect me, and it just makes the um, industry, you know, look bad if we start talking about all this stuff. And the truth is, it affects everybody, veteran drivers and everyone. And you ask, well, how does it do that? Well, here's the problem. We have... A lot, a, a huge influx of uh, CDL trainees and students coming in. When they come in, they what happens is the veteran drivers who aren't getting the miles are losing it to the new drivers who are coming in because they only get paid between 12 and 14 cents a mile, and the veterans are getting what they deserve, which is you know. 35, 45, wherever it is right now with recession, it might have gone down, but it's, it's up there between 35 and 45 cents. So, yes, it does affect you because these abuses are a result of a huge influx coming in, not enough trainers, and the industry just wants to get them in if they make it fine, if they don't, well, that just leaves another opening for some more trainees. That's why we have such a huge turnover rate, or one of the reasons. I mean, there's other reasons, obviously. Um, but this is the big cry and complaint about veteran drivers who aren't getting miles because there's a lot of trainees and students coming in. Now, that in itself is a, is a business because there's a, you know, there's a lot of uh, stimulus coming in to hire these people, and uh, it's a benefit to have a lot, a lot of new uh, students and trainees. Okay? So, yes, all you veteran drivers, it is your concern. All you owner-operators, it is your concern because you're fighting for the freight that's getting moved a lot cheaper. 
Okay. Uh, Desiree, you, you, I mean, we've spoken about this so many times. I mean, you're with mm-hmm. me with all this, right? Right. And, uh, in fact, today President Obama is having a big conference in Washington, D.C. to create jobs. There's a big powwow in Washington, D.C. today with a lot of industry leaders saying, how are we going to create jobs? Now, you can bet your bottom dollars that the trucking industry is going to be up there saying, we got jobs. Um, the first Dan Rather report, they said, he didn't say there's no driver shortage. Well, now then they come back and they said to me on Twitter the other day, they said, well, we are look, we are going to be looking for more good, safe drivers. Okay, well, what okay. about good, safe drivers you well, already we got have out them. here? That's, that's just it. And there's the solution. In need right. good, and safe drivers. We have so many good, safe veteran drivers that want miles, that aren't mm-hmm. getting the miles, Okay, so we have them. Yeah. Uh, you know that's that's part of that solution for getting safe drive. Keep the ones you have. Okay. And the, and the one, and and people need to pay attention to this now. Good, safe drivers, what does that mean? Does that mean that they're going to generate out all of the experienced, higher-paid drivers for the lower-paid students? Is that what's coming? Is that a new cycle that's coming? So people really need to pay attention right now because part of this problem is a cheap labor force problem of people who are being used that, they're not fully disclosing to them, but they're using their labor, and then when they find out, and then when they get burned out or whatever happens to them. So there's very few that ever make it to the other side of the rainbow. And and uh, the student issue is a huge issue for the overall trucking veteran issue because it's the students that will work cheaper, and they don't know what you're going through because there's so much to learn in those first couple years. They don't even really know anything about the trucking industry. So they're working on a whole different set of of rules. You know, they're still trying to comprehend the truck and the lifestyle and the logbook. So um, this conference today that's going on in Washington, D.C., pay attention. Pay attention. They're going to go up there and they're going to say, yeah, we got tons of jobs. And they're going to start passing out those stimulus funds, those workforce vouchers, those unemployment headhunters and recruiters are going to go into overdrive. I mean, it's, it, and, and this is the whole point, okay? There's a problem with CDL training and trainee abuse. But on the other hand, if there wasn't such an influx coming in because of the false driver shortage, uh, and the starving out of veterans, then you mm-hmm. wouldn't have as many of the problems, or at least it would be in the uh, numbers where it would be in control. You wouldn't have all this frantic get a tra- anybody to be a trainer after two months, three months of driving and mm-hmm. put them in a position to be a trainer. So you see how it's a big catch-22, Right. All this going on. Right. It, we have a lot of this stimulus money getting poured in. There. Oh, we got jobs. We got jobs. Okay. We got lots of students. We have lots of people that need jobs. Okay. Where's the trainers? Okay. Uh, we don't have qualified trainers. Okay. You've been driving three months and you haven't had an accident. You're a trainer. Um, exactly. You know, and, Ninety and, days. You know. So whatever. The, the fact is, you know, right now we have a lot of drivers that a they can't find work and they've been driving for years or the ones that are in there 
uh, they're getting between 1,000 and 1,500 miles a week when they used to get between 2,500 and 3,000 miles a week. And, mm-hmm. hey, you know, just figure it out, guys. You can, you know, it, it's just an easy picture. Once you put all the pieces of the puzzle together and try to figure it out, it's so obvious, and it'll be like, wow, okay, I didn't really realize it affected me like this. Um, you know, we had a... Um, uh, an interesting thing. We're going to break the show down tonight. We have a lot of solutions. They're going to be broken down into three categories. And um, before we get to that, uh, we also want to get over, Desiree, the thing about the indentured servant that we were talking about and the uh, ethics. But the show is going to be broken down into three categories of solutions. The basic screening for students and trainers, in other words, you know, how to prevent any kind of this bullying, harassment, sexual abuse. Uh, if you get to the basic screenings, it will eliminate most of it. Two will be the, um, the company guidelines, which will further eliminate. Once uh, the ATA and the trucking companies are all on the same page together and they have a standard guideline of behavior and what's to be done, then we can have the company guidelines, uh, actually the national guidelines. And then finally, if it does happen to get to the abuse stage, and then we'll have solutions for that. So getting back to the fact that there's so many of these people are driving at 12 to 14 cents a mile, and that's why we have, you know, because of the fact that we have such a huge influx of students and trainees, and uh, they're pretty much uh, driving as indentured servants. And um, that Desiree came up with that term, and when uh, we looked it up, it, the definition of that is an indentured servant is a laborer under contract to an employer for a fixed period of time, typically three to seven years, in exchange for their transportation, food, uh, clothing, lodging, and other necessities. Unlike a slave, an indentured servant is required to work only for a limited term specified in a signed contract. Now, you sent that over to me today uh, that definition yeah i mean you know email and i why sort don't of just yeah i sort of coined that uh, that term off when i started within my trucker period and uh and and that that's a historical um fact that there were lots of people who actually sold their labor for a chance at a better life throughout history people have done that of all different um from all different ethnicities in all different countries, they said, you know, you know, even uh, it's comparable to an apprenticeship in a way. And I saw the correlation of that because you are kind of saying, okay, I'm willing to start at the bottom. I'm willing to work for a very, very small amount of money to be able to learn this job. And I understand that I'm going to have to, um, like anything, work my way up. 
Um, and then when you get out here, you start realizing that you're getting nickel and dimed for all these different things where sometimes you're actually coming out in the negative. So you really aren't even ever buying, in an indentured servitude, you're actually buying your freedom back. You know, you, you pretty much have sold your, yourself to somebody and you say, I'm going to do this work and then I'm going to buy myself back and my freedom or, you know, there's lots of different cases. You can look it up on Wikipedia and they have lots of different different um, categories in there um, that go into wage slavery and how um, unions came in and all kinds of different uh, things. But basically what I saw was going on is that just in America in general, we have a war going on between corporations and workers. And we have been driving down, driving down the price because we want to have a higher bottom line. And this is why we sold all our jobs overseas. And this is why the wages, the way that the wages, you know, we've had a lot of white-collar um, executives who have been downsized for years. And you see those, those uh, people going back to school, enhancing their skills, sometimes having to take a lesser position. This is the same thing that... Um, when I came into this industry with the, getting rid of the experience for the lesser, the lesser experience, it all ties in together because you have these people that are uninformed. They don't know the business. They've sold their, their labor for this job. They're making less than minimum wage once they get out here. And some people see the other other side of the tunnel, and they say, "Okay, that's cool. For two years, I can I can do this and get good experience, and and you know get on to another place in this." But some people don't realize that. And then when you start getting charged idle, and you get start charging, you know, a dollar for your com data, and then you gotta, you know, you, you don't always get to go to the place where you get to take a shower. You gotta pay for a shower. You gotta pay for your food. Um, all these little nickel and dime things start adding up, and the next thing you know, you're in the negative. You're never ever gonna. You're never gonna. You always think next week you're gonna get the more miles, you know. But then you sit two days for a load. So it's kind of like a little trick all of the time, where you're ever. You're never really getting ahead. You're never really buying your freedom out. You're well, still is, staying in the same that. servitude situation. You're, you keep serving, but you're not ever getting anything to buy yourself back. And so I saw the correlation of that, and I, and I use that term. And it is provocative. But if you start reading about indentured servitude and you start studying the way that these trucking, um, these mega fleets are running these students with the teams and the inexperience and the, t- the risk-taking that they're doing with them in the, you know, right now it's winter time. You probably got people on the road that are running a team truck that have just a few weeks of experience, you know, Um, and it's the risk is maybe they'll make it, maybe they won't. You know what they call, a lot of people don't realize that they call students steering wheel holders or they just want somebody to strap down to the seat. I mean, the general public doesn't know that that's the joke of students, you know, and right, it is. Right. You know, they're willing to take the risk that you're, are you going to make it through? You know, they got insurance on the truck. Yeah, right. Well, getting getting into the actual problems and the solutions, because you have to know what the problems are. Yes, we've had uh, some shows, but we'll just 
kind of go over it. Um, a lot of the press has been about women being abused, but truthfully, you know, there's men out there who are being uh, abused also, whether it, whether it be trainers or students, and a lot of it uh, can be avoided, and we're going to go over how you can avoid all that. Um, let's see. I covered that. Now, let's need to be eliminated. Uh, oh, okay. What is the the main thing that seems to be the problem in these trucks is the people who are having these issues actually have a power and the misuse of authority. Um, you know, bullying, harassment, whatever whatever you want to call it. It's it's really any form of behavior which will affect. Um, a trainee or a team driver, and and actually we've been talking about team driver lately because there's a a lead driver with a co-driver, and usually the lead driver is in charge, and then the uh, co-driver is almost in a training situation, and there's been problems with that going on. Um, what is what is it? Let's define it. Okay, yelling, selfish driving behavior, not letting people sleep. Threats of putting in a bad review uh, if you don't do what they want, uh, whether it be uh, to allow them to do things illegally, uh, miles or logbooks or whatever, or, or you know, for sex, which is like a big common one. Um, every, you know, we established that. Nobody's even arguing about that anymore. So um, we, we really want to go over, you know, the, the solutions. So basically, let's go over the basic, you know, preventative measures of how we can eliminate all this. And uh, the first thing is um, there has to be better screening uh, yeah. for the trainers. I mean, we talked about that, you know, two years maybe instead of, uh, of uh, two months. Uh, what yeah. about psychological think... testing? What about, you know, I mean... There has to be a better uh, established method for becoming a trainer. So, oh, go ahead, go ahead. The 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 first thing that is, there's a lot of people that are getting loans to go to CDL school because they're getting sold loans because they can get a loan. The first thing that I think that that they really need to um, do is these students need to be given a bill of rights or some sort of full disclosure when they get that student loan to go to CDL school and told exactly what will be expected of them as a truck driver. I met so many people that didn't know you were going to have to do paperwork. You weren't going to, they didn't know that you're going to have to drive 11 hours a day. They didn't know that you're going to have to go without a shower. They didn't know so many of the things that they were going to have to do to be a truck driver, but they went and got, they qualified for that loan or they qualified for that workforce voucher. That is a lot of taxpayer money getting flushed down the toilet. So that right there would eliminate a lot of problems if these people knew in advance before they signed on the dotted line to go to CDL school. This is what you are expected to do as a truck driver. You don't just drive the truck. Also, the classification of 
the drivers being unskilled labor keeps that pay level low. Those things being addressed right there, that clarification, a bill of rights for the students, a full disclosure before they get that loan or that workforce voucher, I think will eliminate a lot of people that are unclear or just goofing off. You know, this is a job. This is a business. And you're wasting a lot of people's time and a lot of taxpayer money. The taxpayers are footing the bill for this. A lot of recruiters are taking advantage of this. They don't care whether you make it or not. So that that's one part to, to solve. Um, and then when you're getting into the training, yes, the trainer should have more experience. If the company cannot provide you a trainer that has a decent amount of experience, then they shouldn't be training other people. If you can't provide a trainer in a safe training environment, that is a right. I hear this term, best practices. No. The law is I deserve to be treated a certain way when I'm learning a job. I deserve, it is the, the law that I will be trained for a job in a safe environment. Training to drive a semi with somebody who is harassing me, yelling at me, keeping me in a state of duress, that's not safe. Somebody that's telling me to tailgate, somebody that's telling me to go over my hours, that is not a safe training environment. That, these aren't best practices. That is the law. And the law needs to be enforced, and it is not enforced now. And much of it is because of the poor support system, the poor well, training. That, that's, that's part of the uh, solution. You know, there really isn't a support system, and mm-hmm. uh, you know that that has to be has to be part of the whole uh, the whole thing. I mean, there there absolutely needs to be a background check for people who want to be a trainer. I mean, you mm-hmm. cannot have any past uh, violent domestic abuse or regular, you know, any kind of that on your record. You can't have a felony. I mean, you mm-hmm. you have to be pretty squeaky clean to be put mm-hmm. in that type of a responsibility. It's already a high-pressure job. You're You're living with a person 24-7, your nerves are already fragile, so you you can't have any kind of anger management issues or anything like that. You really have to yeah. be a stable person. If you're um, if you're already a person that's excitable, you're going to be stressed out from being with somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. You know, right. it's hard to teach somebody anything. But when you're teaching somebody something that could potentially end both of your lives, the stress level is very much elevated. So you're going to lash out and they're going to lash out. And if you don't know how to weigh, have a good way to maintain your composure and they don't, have, they don't even know the whole environment, you're the teacher. So as soon as you lose your temper, you just lost your audience, your student doesn't want to listen to you anymore because you just made them shut down. They don't care what you say anymore. 
now they're on the edge of their seat. So now you've right. got a student that's on the edge of their seat driving while you're sleeping. So it all it, it just turns into this big, huge cycle. And, well, you know, um, a, lot of, a lot of companies um, use psychological tests in order to fill positions to ensure that the people they're hiring fit the kind of profile that will be most, um, you know, efficient for their company. And these kinds of tests really are very easy. I mean, you, you, you say the, the type of personality you're looking for, there's a certain test, okay, that's for this. You know, you don't want, you know, excitable, angry people. Okay, um, here you go. And that would be another excellent way to well, each one of these things lowers the um, incident rate that much more. Every single thing that's employed will will keep lowering it and lowering it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it takes a very special person to teach. But, you know, a lot of people that um, want to teach sometimes have control issues, um, just like a lot of people that are draw drawn to um, counseling had problems when they were um, in their own life, you know. So you have to you have to really pay attention with these psychological tests. That you're not only going to draw attract the people that can fix the problem, you're going to attract some of the people that are the problem. Um, I, the psychological tests can be um, manipulated. There are people that are smart enough to pass them. And companies also, they don't want to go and spend a lot of money doing anything. So I think it's a great idea in a perfect world, but it's, it's not, it's not, um, it's gonna, not going to be the total solution. I don't right. see companies really embracing something like that, but the background check, and especially something like a cross-check, um, where I heard uh, a company, uh, they, they send the student out with a trainer for 35 days, and then they send the student out with a second trainer for another two weeks to make sure the first trainer did his job. I like that because you get a lot of trainers that maybe they rubbed each other the wrong way, and now they really don't want that student to succeed. But the student is actually a good student. So if you have a cross-check thing where somebody's actually checking to make sure the trainer did what they were supposed to do with that student, and then you, right. you have this third unrelated party, you know, um, getting involved and saying, okay, the, guy, the person still doesn't know how to back or, you know, um, write his name or whatever, you know, somebody to, to check out or something. Right, um, just a check and balance type of thing. Yeah, more yeah. more check check and balance because people get corrupted. This business, uh, there's a lot of very they get a little bit of power and they get on a power trip, right. and that's and, and, a huge part of the problem. And that's a part of the problem in a lot of industries. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, here's the thing: all this um, harassment and bullying and everything. This isn't anything new that isn't in any other industry. However, mm -hmm. however, why it is so uh, important to nip it in trucking is because in every other industry, 
You're in a situation, in a social situation with other people. You, you know, people can witness it. They can hear you're, you're alone, you're isolated. It's he said, she said, or he said, he said, or, you know, it, it's, it's very difficult to document what's going on. And that's why it's so important to screen people, uh, including students, prior to putting two people in a truck. Hold on. Um, and and that brings up another thing. Screen the, you need background checks for the students also. There are trainers out there who have been really, their lives threatened. Uh, yes. I mean, that's documented right on a Smart Union blog. I mean, it's some scary stuff. Why? Well, because they also have anger management or whatever their issues are, they have it. If, if, mm-hmm. if students have some kind of a mark like that in their record, then that should be told to the trainer in advance, and he should have the opportunity to either accept or deny the training of that, of that student. But they need to mm-hmm. know in advance that, you know what, you've got you know, a tough one here, this is what's on his record, and, and it's up to you. Do you want to do it? Right, because um, there are people that are better at that than others. There are there are people that are kind of good with dealing somebody that's particularly difficult. And, um, you know, uh, th- th- just a little bit more care. Um, I mean, I've met people that were former gang members who they actually are kind of good at teaching others. So, you know, I think that some of the stuff, you have to go on a case-by-case basis. People do change their lives. People do um, strive to be better. And then there's people that, um, you know, they get protected for a period of time and they start to be untouchable. And they, and they leave a trail of damage behind them and they're protected. They're, those are the ones that are making it the worst for everybody else. And those right. ones that are being protected, you know, um, you know, some of this, it's, it just has to be, it's a little bit, you have to be proactive, you know, just because somebody's nice to you in the hallway doesn't mean they're nice when they walk out of that building and they're out of earshot. Right. And, um, um, that's, that's something that this industry needs to um, look at, especially with social media. This the the time of people, you know, out, even if you outlaw the CB with the CSA 2010 and the cell phone, and they're trying to do the thing with the <coughs> the laptops and all of this stuff, you're still sitting around in a truck stop for three days waiting for a load, and there's a lot of people that have computers now and can write and you can set up a blog for free and you can just say stuff um you know and people are getting more and more every day the story of what's going out on out here is going to come out more and more and more so the best thing the trucking industry could do right now is to be proactive and stop hiding it and fix it right and that's actually just all that most of the people just want. Uh, students aren't looking to come into these nightmares or, or being trainees with all this. And mm-hmm. I mean, uh, they, their 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 hopes and dreams. Some of them are 
are just crushed by it. And mm-hmm. a lot of the reason that there still is only a national 5 to 6% women uh, within the, the industry is a lot of them come in and, and they go it, away. They can, and they go away. They, they yeah. Have, it has That's not been, what uh, there, there, it's that it's growing in numbers right now, but they haven't been able to stay because of what is going on and what has been covered up. And I just saw a lot of competent women who left just because they were like, they, they do not really do this to people, and they just were like, I just I can't even stay in an industry that treats human beings like this. You know, and these were good women that could drive, and they were responsible, you know, and I just met them in those last dying days where they're like, I wished I would have met you earlier, but I just, what they're doing, I just can't even, I can't even live with myself if I stayed in this industry one second longer. One thing I want to mention, um, Tracy Ham from the CRST uh, sexual harassment case, she wanted to be on the show tonight, and um, her and her husband had a really horrible accident. Um, they're okay, but the winds uh, from that hurricane came up into the Gulf, came up. It flipped their truck over upside down in North Carolina a couple weeks ago, and it was very, very traumatic. Um, um, her husband um, was caught in the truck. It took him a long time to get him out. Um, there's, they're having some, you know, um, I guess post-traumatic, you know, from what happened. It went completely upside down. Anyway, she, 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 she sent me an email. Um, I talked to her on the phone yesterday. Um, they've been through a lot. But her her thing was that she she feels very, very strongly about a graduated licensing system. And I do, too, um, when you, you know, the whole process should be graduated. Students shouldn't pull hazmat. They shouldn't, as far as I'm concerned, go be going running in toxic chemicals right off the bat. You should be able to, know, I mean, it takes a good deal of time for you to comprehend what you're doing with your logbook and how this thing moves Um graduated as far as the trainers, as we spoke about earlier, the length of time that you've been driving before you can train someone else. And granted, the best trainer I met was somebody that became a trainer at three months, but he was a very conscientious person. But the abuse is still, you don't know hindsight, you know, Um just the haphazard way that it's going on right now. It all needs to be looked at. Well, and that, you that, can't say that anybody after three months is going to be a great trainer. That's because of the character and the person he he was initially. It was probably very very strong. But, mm-hmm. but let me let me say that. something. But let me say something about him. He's somebody that worked in an environment that had a very strong corporate structure before he came to tra- uh, to trucking, and he had quite a lot of um, training. And he told me in the company that he used to work for, they had very strict sexual harassment training for the men. 
And they pretty much told the man, this is the way that it is, and you better know this is the way it is, or you will be fired. Even if somebody throws it right on your lap, you better be thinking to yourself, is this worth my job and my whole life? Because you will be gone. So, I mean, he told me that he knew that from his other training in a corporate structure, you don't mess around like that. Right. Even so if he, he cake much is right in front of you, that. you don't eat it because it's going to come back to haunt you in one fashion or another. That's the big difference. There is no training right now. Well, and that, there's, and that, that, there's no guidelines. There's no, uh, there's no handbook. There's nothing to hand out to trainers. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to hand out to students. This should all be a part of orientation it should be a mm-hmm. when a when a trainer does become a trainer, they have an actual class that you know exactly what you said: strict um, harassment rules, laws, what, whatever you want to define it as. Um, there and none of that, none of that's happening. Um, which okay, we just covered the basics, which was the preventative measure. Uh, which would eliminate an awful lot of these problems. Um, basically, we went over the screening of both students and trainers, um, increased the amount of years before they can train uh, to go in the background checks, and that, that in itself is going to drastically reduce a lot of problems. Now you get into defining these things, um, actual uh, laws, rules, guidelines uh, that the companies have to put in place. And it would be ideal if they all had the same ones in place. But anyway, let's go over a couple of these solutions. You know, a company policy um, should reflect the industry clear-cut zero tolerance. Compliance is specified by under the EEOC and federal government. This means that the ATA, which represents companies, should post it clearly on their website so this is loud and clear as an mm-hmm. industry message. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and uh, uh, yes, the ATA is the patriarch of this mess. They should have a loud and clear message that they are adopting this and the companies that they represent should not have to be feet draggers to understand we aren't asking for new uniforms and raises. We are asking for you to comply with the law of the federal government, and especially these truck training companies who are accepting a lot of government money to train these students, and they're collecting a lot of tax credits to train these students and the women, they should be abiding by the law. And the law is that you do not harass. The the EEOC harassment, um, you know, gender, race, religion, Okay, women fit into that. So they, they this is a, the missing piece of the puzzle. <clears throat> and uh, these truck fleet, big truck fleets that have the students, especially, 
there's a lot of government money being generated to pump into these companies, and they should be held to a higher standard and have some sort of a watchdog over them if they're going to be taking all of this government money. And um, I just want to say, if anybody's out there and they want to add to this discussion um, or give some ideas, I'm not sure if Tom is on the line yet, but our number here is 347-826-9170. And, Alan, is Tom on the uh, – did he ever come on the line? I don't think so. Our, line, our lines have been pretty full, but uh, I haven't recognized his area code enough. And we have people listening on the phones and, uh, you know, a lot of people in the chat room, but I haven't seen his number pop up yet. I okay. just talked to Tom on the phone, and I don't, I'm, I'm disappointed. I don't know what happened to him, but I, I talked to him for a real long time on the phone, and then he sent me an email, and he was really glad that we talked and everything. And, you know, he's got a really long um, uh, career in the trucking industry, and he, he told me on the phone, Delray, I just want to tell you that you're – and he worked in the safety department at CRST. Your case is not uncommon. And that's from a safety person at another company I have never worked for, and I've never met Tom. He posted on my WordPress. When I saw the posting, I sent it to um, a few people, and they read it, and that is how the producers of Dan Rather got in touch with him. And we, he came on Facebook, and we've talked, uh, you know, on Facebook, but I never talked to him on the phone till the other day. I told I him spoke, to go pick up I spoke Brucker. to him the other day, and um, he did say he was going to be on tonight. And uh, I'm sure, you know, something must have happened if he if he couldn't be on. Whether whether he is in a different time zone, and I don't know. If I wonder. Used about the time, but I right. wanted to say the trucker has been covering this uh, as the last few weeks, and I picked up the new issue. Yesterday, I stayed at Willie's place last night, and by the way, Willie Nelson watched the Dan Rather show I found out last night when I was at Willie's place. But um, in this uh, new edition of, of The Trucker, there is a, um, a letter to the editor about Tom Hansen from somebody that knows him who says that he is not a disgruntled worker. And um, I don't even know if Tom has seen that or not. Um, and I was hoping that he was going to be on so he could, he, I could tell him that. But I thought that was really nice that somebody took the time to uh, write on his behalf because he says he's pretty much, you know, been shunned and people that, uh, you know, he used to work with are not even allowed to talk to him anymore. And that's typical typical um you know industry you know you're shunned like you know you're some sort of social pariah because um you you talked to, said that the emperor is not wearing any clothes right right and that's that's a good analogy actually and uh you you wonder uh why he wouldn't be a hero instead of uh i mean i can't imagine it but i guess that's just the way it is um Anyway, getting back to the trucking company guidelines and rules, um, another one that, um, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm getting this. You had uh, sent me an email with with these ideas, so I'm 
putting it down here, appropriate dress guidelines for students, trainers, and team drivers, uh, along with conduct for students, trainers, and team drivers. Now, the, the, the dress code, I mean, a lot of the women are complaining that these guys will just go around in their underwear. And well, we had a lady that posted the other day and said she had a trainer that, that trained her. It was 10 years ago, but he was in his underwear most of the time he was training her. <laughs> yes, I mean, you, there should be, especially the trainer has a higher standard, um, and the students don't know. So um, they should be, as with the Bill of Rights, they should be, before they even come, told this is what you'll be expected to wear. I mean, I just went to NASCAR. You know, at NASCAR, you have to have long pants and you have to have a shirt and you have to have covered shoes. You can't go there with a tank top or anything else, you know. Uh, there should be appropriate dress. On the other hand, it starts being like your, uh, the fashion police. If you're going to be so fixated on somebody's um, shirt, um, like, uh, you know, and I, I made a mention of uh, this woman over, you know, where, um, saying, well, I, you know, somebody wearing some pink pajama bottoms with bunnies on it, I don't like that. Well, that's not any of your business. Um, you know, when you start getting to the point, there should be some dress guidelines that says this is the appropriate dress. Please, you know, adhere to it. Don't wear um, a mini skirt um, when we're down by the sure, Mexican sure. border, you know, running around you know, with truck stuff. You know, the same with the with shoes, you know. Don't uh, wear work boots when you're working. Don't um, wear things that you're going to have a hazard, that you're going to hurt yourself. Um, and you shouldn't be running around uh, with with your with a tank top or whatever um, at truck stops and this kind of thing. On the other hand, if your co-driver or your um, your um, say female trainer is so fixated on your you know that they can't even focus on what they're doing, you have to you have to cover that ground too because. One of the things that we found out is that women have a lot of complaints against them, sometimes more because they want to dominate the other woman so much. They start getting so fixated on all of the other personal things about her. It doesn't right, have right. anything to do about the driving. It has to do with what kind of person she is. She likes this. You like that. She likes this guy. He's not good for her. Why doesn't she take your advice? That's none of your business. It's none of and your that, business. And that would be part of, and, and this is just reiterates, that would be part of the preventative under what we're calling the basic uh, solution section, which we went over, and that is going to be where there has to be, you know, the the interview, the check, the, you know, to know if what kind of are you able to tolerate another human being without getting controlling and in their business. I mean, right, you know, pretty right. much that's what it, it is. You know? Yeah, you know, um, I don't really want to hear about everybody's, um, you know, past lives, but people, they, you know, in this situation, they just want to talk, you know, and you can't say, I don't like to listen, because then right. you put a chip, you you know, you put something in the air and stuff. So you just have to sit there and then that's misinterpreted as you care and, you know, so 
there's there's just all these different dynamics in there. You really have to keep yourself middle of the road, trying to keep yourself non-judgmental. You're there to teach them or they're there to learn, and that's it. You're not there to solve their life's problems. You're not there to give them advice on their children or their husbands or their boyfriends or their girlfriends or their clothes or nothing. You're there right. to and, teach and them to drive the truck. And basically what you're saying is keep it professional. That's professional. basically what you think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you, when you get too chummy during this training period, um, you have to, and, you know, this is just common sense, though. I mean, people have to realize that once you open a door and you want to be close to another person, the, these are the risks you're going to take because what is that saying? Familiarity breeds Familiarity contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. Right, and that's and the door funny. they're opening. And that's, and that's you know, there's some guidance that needs to be made to the students from the get-go. You don't need to tell everybody everything about your personal business. And right. the, same with the uh, same with the trainers. The trainers, you know, these are... Uh, some of these some of the trainer you know it's this is a lonely job it is a lonely job and so you know for me i like being i like to be alone but there's some people that they're just glad to have another human being to talk to and if right. you just laugh about a couple things together all of a sudden they think you're their best friend and they just want to tell you every single thing that ever happened to them you know and um you're trapped <laughs> And so, you know, there's right. two ways. I mean, where are you going to go? <laughs> yeah, you know, so there's there's some things that apply in this situation that don't apply in an office. And like I was talking to you earlier uh, with uh, one one of the persons sent all their money home for bills, and then you're eating, and then they don't have any f- money for food. And, uh, you know, I had a situation where I was paying for the girl to eat. And you don't know, I know a lot of trainers who have had this with their student. They paid for, you know, and I had my HR lady say, well, you shouldn't have done that. Well, this, is, this isn't like an office where they're going to go home at the end of the night and they have food in their refrigerator. You're living with this person, and you know tomorrow they're not going to have any money either, and they're not going to have any food. There's some times where you, you share stuff. You know, you walk together and you make sure the other one didn't, you know, disappear or something like this. You get in snowstorms and you make it out together. So there's some sort of a bonding that's going on, even if you don't really like the person 100%. And you're not going to sit there and eat a sandwich when you know they don't even have a dollar. So there's a whole different dynamic going on when you're living with somebody in this situation. So your regular old HR policies, they don't apply to this. You 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 got to keep it professional, but at the same time you got to be human or you're or you're going to drive a wedge and there's going to be some tension in the air and you can't learn or concentrate when that big huge tension is in this truck. You can't concentrate on the truck or what you're doing when you're always like going, Ugh. Right. Are right. they gonna wake up? Are they gonna come out here? Why are they you know? So I know another another big problem and, and, and now we're gonna get into the nitty gritty of a lot of this is a lot of people will have problems 
whatever they may be, if they've been um, uh, sexually assaulted, verbally assaulted or abused, there's a lot of different uh, things that fit into the word abuse. Most of us think of sexual abuse. doesn't always have to be that. Mm-hmm. However, whatever that abuse is, they try to go to the correct route to have it taken care of. Now, mind you, and I think this is important, we've said it over and over and over again, but picture yourself, you're in the middle of nowhere, and somebody has a physical assault on you. What do you do? It's a Saturday night, okay? Mm -hmm. You're in the middle of the desert, and this is going on. Okay, Desiree, what do you do? Right now, not I mean. Right now, as it exists right now, for my company, company, we have an emergency response center. And let me clarify this. When I had my situations, I called my emergency response center, and they were really great. The problem is when they go home and the next shift comes in, nobody tells anybody anything, so it's like Groundhog Day. Nobody remembers anything. You start over fresh. And you're just like a crapshoot who you get and how they treat you. If you've been traumatized, your nerves are so sensitive that you potentially will just blow up on anybody. They should have better training for these people. And I was telling you about a system they have in the hotel industry. The hotel industry, the hospitality industry, the logistics of moving a great volume of people traveling is very similar to the trucking industry. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong when you're moving people. And in hospitality, you have to be nice because they're on vacation or they're business travelers and that's your money. With trucking, your guest is the freight and the room is the trailer and the trailer has to be clean for the next guest. And I I actually think reservationists would be very good dispatchers because they're used to problem solving, they're used to moving things around, they're used to um, doing things like really logistics-wise on the computer, and they're used to getting yelled at, <laughs> and they can handle it and still get get the thing done and not get a, get upset about it. One of the things that happens in the hotel industry is they have a manager on duty. After 5 o'clock, all the managers from all the different departments take turns, and they get like one week and a month or one day a month, and they are on a cell phone. And they are at one phone call away if there's something that's major comes up. Because the way it is right now is you've got like a short staff at night and on weekends. So if something happens, and it always does after hours, you get somebody that says, don't call us. We don't have very many people to answer the phone. Well, you've got a fleet of 2,000 trucks out here with two people on each truck, so you're probably going to get a lot of phone calls. Probably odds are you're going to have lots of stuff going on at all hours of the day or night. Who's in charge of this? So my IRC department, they did handle me getting into a room, but then Monday morning, then people dropped the ball. And what um, they didn't they didn't pay for the room. I got kicked out of the room um, because they didn't pay for me to have the room for the next morning. 
um, and they wouldn't take the phone call, and they wouldn't, you know, and it got to the point where I was, like, crying, and I was hysterical because I was so pissed off, and they were just treating me like I was dirt, you know, and the people at the motel were treating me like dirt because they didn't like my company and my company's reputation, and so they're taking it out on me, and I'm in the middle of nowhere with all my stuff in the lobby, this is this is a logistics communications problem. It is not my problem. This is a compute. This is a communications, and this is poor um, management. Uh, when in the hotel industry, they have a system where they pass. a like they call it a logbook, but basically they say every event that happened on the shift before. So when the next person comes in to deal with all of the MOD problems or the manager on duty problems, they can look and say, "Oh, okay, the guy from 502 came running down the hallway with just a towel on and scared the maid. Okay, if he does it again, he's gone." At least you know that it wasn't the first time that he did it or so-and-so is in, we had to move so-and-so to this room. You know, pass the baton. Um, you know, let the next let the next people know what's going on. So a lot of this stuff happens because of poor communication internally in-house. Well, another There's part of it is um, isn't there some kind of retaliation within the company that a lot of these people are afraid um, to even report anything because yeah. so-and-so knows this one and I'll get you fired. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, if you don't do this, you know, I'll tell. I've been here a long time. And my, yes. You know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, There's a lot what of happens retaliation. if you go to HR? Well, there, well, number one, there is a lot of re- retaliation, and, you know, even with my one girlfriend. The, you know, the guy had her on the truck just a, f- a few days, and he was like, you're going to do what I say because the dispatcher's my friend, and he'll never believe anything that you tell him. And he sure went to it, and uh, the dispatcher sure didn't help her, um, you know, and we finally got her off of that truck. This happens a lot. Once you go to the HR department, then that's like a whole elevated status. Now you've actually made an official report that can go into your file. And it's it's something that you really don't want to do because the way that they act is kind of like workman's comp. Some people, you know, they get hurt at work and they they milk it for everything that they can get. That's why our insurance costs are so high because somebody sprained their foot and then they think that they're going to be able to milk it for whatever they can and then then it makes people suffer who have a real workman's comp thing that really is going to be a problem. This can go into your record that you made a workman's comp claim and the same with the HR department. And what I found with the HR department, and we talked about this on the workplace bullying thing with Yancey Thomas and stuff. A lot of times they're taking you in there and they're going to ask you everything that happened to gather information about how much you know about them. They're debriefing you in a way. Debriefing you means they want to find out everything you know, everything that you could potentially go after them for. You're basically giving them all of your ammunition, and you should be aware of that. The Human Resources Department isn't really your resource. They're going to make you think that they're doing something, but I found that they're not doing anything. They're debriefing you. They're gathering information. And and they say, oh, well, we don't have to tell you what we do. Well, you know, I mean, I can find out from the rumor mill that nothing. 
Um, I know some changes have happened at my company, but one of the things that I really don't like about what happened at, at, at my HR um, situation was they tried to place doubt in me. Once they hear everything that goes on, then they turn around kind of like you're in a courtroom in front of a prosecuting attorney and a, a cr criminal cross-examination trying to place doubt in my mind that what I saw and what I heard and what I experienced is wrong. And that is when... All your alarm bells should go. These people are not here to help me. They're trying to make me think that there's something wrong with me. And there's nothing wrong with me. I'm a hard worker. I don't ask for special favors. I just want to be safe and do my job. And these people are trying to convince me that I am defective. Right. Um, and, and, well, that's basically so you don't what is that saying the best um offense is a great defense uh that that's yeah. pretty much the game that's being played uh, yeah and so for for my experience with the hr departments um and and there are people in my hr department that i really really like and there's people in there that i think are just complete liars um, I think that there's a lot of training material that's available on the Internet for HR um, people that want to do the right thing and train their corporate structure better. And then there's the lackadaisical kind that want to do this kind of old school, let's take them in the back room and place doubt in their minds and make them think that, you know, the whole world is caving in on them. And they do. It is psychological warfare because this is an isolated job. And when you keep somebody isolated and the only information that they're getting is you telling them that they did something wrong, they start really second-guessing what they really did see and what they really did hear. And that is the same experience you would have in an abusive relationship. You know, right. you start going, oh, okay, yeah, all right, I, I've had an abusive relationship before, and when I got out of it, all those things they said were wrong with me really weren't wrong with me. They were just trying to make me think that they were. Exactly. So, I'm going to go over, so we don't, the last time we ran out of time, so even if we run out of time to get um, all these uh, solutions to abuse, should all the de uh, preventative measures uh, that we discussed earlier not work and, and a woman or a man still finds themselves um, in a situation like this. I'm just going to read them off. At least they'll be said if we don't get into them, fine. Okay, <clears throat> so we talked about if you are out of the way in the middle of nowhere and you find yourself in this kind of a situation, um, you know, there has to be something uh, put in place and this something uh, has to be given at orientation day, uh, either mm -hmm. a Qualcomm macro, a delete option, a card with phone numbers, and, uh, you know, a 24-7, even on weekends. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there can't be any uh, kind of company retaliation. Um, and we'll, we'll, go over, we'll go over them all. I just want to read them before time goes out. Uh, okay, we did the um, night and weekend. No retaliation it needs to be addressed 
uh, with the HR debriefing. We went over that. Uh, if you explained how that goes. Now, if there is a separation, both parties uh, should be removed from the truck. I mean, if things are that bad, uh-huh. uh, rather than favor one over the other. Now, um, the, the next one is, uh, let's see. Oh, okay, this is the fear that we were talking about. Uh, the, the p- students are terrified, trainees are terrified, because they know they have to put in X amount of time to, uh, to get their, their credit, and they're afraid that their deck's going to get uh, a black mark, they'll lose their job, and, of course, this is some of the threats that they're given, okay? Mm-hmm. So this all has to be eliminated, um, you know, either by a third party being introduced into this until the companies can get something uh, settled on how they're going to handle it. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see, okay, just a strict harassment policy. It absolutely has to be in there. So now, you know, where do you want to start with all this? Uh, I think we really, I think the basic thing really, I card, think. card, the, the orientation with the, the number, right. with the emergency That's, number, that should be given out and clarified what it is. I was never told um, that you could put an emergency, I was never told that you could put a SOS sort of thing on the Qualcomm and delete it so the other person couldn't see it. I was never told that. I found that out the hard way. Um, that I should have been told that by my female trainer, that you could, if you were ever in an emergency and you felt unsafe with the person, you can put them out. Now, still, they're numbered, and you can count the numbers and see there was 35 messages and now there's only 34. If you were watching the other person, you know, you are in a prisoner situation, and it takes a while for you to realize what's going on. Now, when your brain kicks in and goes, he's trying to isolate me, um, and I'm in the desert, I'm going to wait and keep my mouth shut until we get back into the city or something like that. Um, I could have been sending a message at least and saying, I'm not feeling very comfortable. Can you make a plan for me or whatever? I didn't even know we had an IRC department. I just happened to, thank God, catch the guy before he left the terminal in Central California, and he told me the number. No one ever told me that we had an IRC department, and thank goodness I kept it. What ended up happening, though, was the guy that I reported was friends with the lady that was the lead coordinator, the one that didn't pay my motel room that morning. So she had me, you know, targeted, and I wasn't getting any cooperation from her. What happened with me is that notes were being put into the system. So when I had later problems and I called IRC, I could actually tell a difference in the way I was treated. And one of the things I say in my story was I used that logistics system before, so I knew that there was notes being made in there about me, comments. That meant when I called up for assistance, whoever was on the other end of the line was reading all these nasty comments and judging me without knowing me from this thing that happened in the beginning. So that's how the whole thing started escalating. Now, those notes are gone now. But this was from a poor logistics system and people that had access to do things and retaliate um, and let me say something about these. We we were talking about this earlier with the with the labor thing. 
and Tracy Ham mentioned this about having 20-something uh, dispatchers. A lot of in-house people right now are experiencing layoffs. People who have been in the business for a long time are starting to um, get laid off, and some cases replaced with people with lesser experience. Maybe somebody who has just come out of high school or junior college is replacing somebody that's got years of experience. This is something that's going on in America because you can give somebody um, a job with a really big title, a fancy title, and give them a salaried position which means they don't get overtime, and then they, they come in and they work on the weekends, right? Well, when you're young, you don't realize that you're working 70 hours a week and that salary works out to less than minimum wage, but you got that big fancy title, so when you do get to go out and see your friends, you get to say that you're some big fancy title. But these people are not skilled to handle the sorts of meltdowns that are going on. Somebody with a lot of experience that's been around, but they, you know, those salaries are high and these companies are trying to cut costs right now. This is part of the problem that's going on here is poor training uh, and people that don't have the experience dealing with these human issues. When you've gotten to the point on the truck that you say, I got to get off, I got to get off this truck, you can count on it that person has been brewing and stewing for a long time before they finally get and to the breaking point where they're like, I can't, that's it, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And so when you call a dispatcher, your IRC, your state, whatever person you can get a hold of, and they're like, just finish this load, or we'll get you, whatever, or we sent you to Nebraska, and then we're going to, no, now you're, you're 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 making the situation more volatile when it's t when they want off get them off and don't favor one over the other sometimes they can work it out let get them off get them separated find out if they can at least you know 24 hours later can you at least you know uh get this um truck back or whatever, you know, however, and if it, it can't be done, don't take one side or the other because oh, so-and-so is your friend. It should be fair. It should be even. This lead driver thing, that's another control power trip. In my company, you have two people who have very little experience, and one person thinks because they graduated last week that they're going to control you. Um, it's my truck now. I mean, I had one dispatcher that had to get on the phone with the girl and say, it is the company's truck. It is not your truck. Uh, she just could not understand. It is not your truck. Right. Um, the company owns the truck. Uh, so the lead driver thing, um, and I think that's the term they use actually for trainers at CRST. Um I don't really, because of there's so many control problems and there's so many power trips, it should just be fair, straight. It, you guys are going to break up your team. You can either be civil to get back here and re-team or you're both off the truck right now or, come, you know, some sort of agreement. But this decision needs to be made in this X amount of time. It, and it's if you almost keep reminds it almost reminds me of um, being in school. If two kids got in a fight, that both of them would get in trouble, even the person who didn't, you know, do anything. 
But on the other hand, you know, it kind of it it, it is the way to handle it um, because it eliminates taking sides, is what it does. I mean, yeah, I mean, going to be punished, kind of. Right. You know, I mean, there were people that they already knew these delete, uh, make a make a message and delete it thing. Nobody ever told me you can do that. I hear a lot of the guys already know that, and the girl, the girl has no idea that the person has been sending messages saying she's she's a bitch or she's this. Oops, sorry, didn't mean to say that. But you know, they have no idea that somebody's been sending messages about them and deleting them. They're just walking around in la la land. Then when there is a blow up and they say I, the girl says I got to get off the truck, they're like, oh see, yeah, he he told us about you already. They were exactly. already lay, laying the groundwork and you didn't even know it. So um, that's why it's got to be there. It's got to be even and and just say, okay, you guys are having a blowout. Then either work it out to get back here or you're both off the truck. There's none of this, um, you know, uh, you know, just tossing somebody off. Um, Right. What about the networking? Um, I remember we spoke about the fact that there was no networking system that women could have with women or new students could share. Uh, mm-hmm. with one another. Um, I think that would be uh, an excellent uh, implementation. If they kept a running list from day one, I mean, every week there's a new orientation. Uh, you know, in my orientation there was very few women, and the ones that w- were there were already in a couple, um, you know. But the following week there were s- some girls, and the following week after that there were some girls. And even when I met some women that were leaving, they had been looking for women that whole time, but nobody and I was looking for women that whole time to team up with. And we had the same temperaments, and it was like there's o- we only have one team coordinator. Why wouldn't she ever let me have their phone numbers? Just because they're teamed up this week doesn't mean they're going to be teamed up next week. And you can ask them questions. There's a lot of people that I met that, you know, just being able to talk to them and still today call them up. You know, hey, have you been to this one place? Yeah, there's a weird turn right there and make sure you leave. It was a great way to keep, it's a great way to keep in touch. It's a support Yes, it's it's great. Why were they not doing that? There, the the million mile woman that I met by accident um, when right before she she got fired in that snowstorm. We we still talk on the phone, and she's um, she and I have very much the same temperament. We're both very laid back. I really I I can take it or leave it. I can take it or leave it. You whatever you know. Mm-hmm. As long as we're safe and we get there alive, I don't, you know. And um, but you know that makes people take advantage of you too. And I thought, gosh, when we met each other, I was like, I would totally get along with you. And she was looking for somebody the whole time that I was a student. She's been working there since 1997. Why couldn't I ever? And she had been saying, Don't you have any women that don't smoke? Yeah, me. And I was calling that whole time. Don't you have any women that don't smoke? Plus, she's from out west. I was totally looking for somebody that out west. There should have been a running list all of that time of women. Just go down the list and call them. You know, so you might you might meet somebody that you like. You like. There's women that I like that I wouldn't want to drive with that I talk to on the phone, and then you know, there's you know their lifestyle habits. Probably we're not going to get along, but I'll talk to them on the phone. They're my friends. But our temperaments are not going to match. 
you know, and you have to know that about yourself. When with with um, the men, there's different things. There's this, there's this the sexual thing, but there's also men that is as much as they'd like to think that they are comfortable with a woman driving, they're not. <laughs> they're not, you know, and they're gonna wake up and they're gonna be like, what was that? Even though it was nothing, or you know, right? They're they're venturing into something with their own personalities that they never really thought they were going to have to do. And there's the nitpickiness and the, you know, let me do it or, um, kind of thing. And well, you, you know, just, you're, you're going to have some, some nitpicky things, you know, with everything. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's no way your people are going to get along. The only thing that we're trying to establish is respect for the other person's mm-hmm. uh, body their, and their mental health. And respect is actually the, the word that, the only word that comes to mm-hmm. my mind, especially in this kind of a situation. And uh, even, even and, clarifying and, with the team business model as far as telling the students, when you get assigned your truck, you will each have 50-50 space. Everything will be 50-50. This and truck is not your truck. This is and our that's an truck. Important point. You Alan don't even clarify the, that. And you Alan, get on the truck. You just gave me the sign. We've got five minutes. So, okay, I'm just okay. going to let you know. Uh, yeah, I, you know, and that needs to be clarified about it's not either one of your trucks. That's orientation. Uh, that's another one. What... One thing I want to fit in is uh, the curtain. Uh, that should never, ever be opened when it's closed. That is a total disrespect for the other person. It, it is. When, when, when you're in the sleeper, that's your, your bedroom. If we were roommates and you walked into my bedroom, you don't walk into somebody's bedroom. You know, And that is a, one of the things that you hear a lot of Sunday they want to try to catch you in a state of undress or something like that. But this is all this stuff that has to do with training and guidance from the company level. They aren't, they aren't providing any guidance. They aren't providing any training. If you tell somebody that has been hanging drywall their whole life, um, we have zero sexual, we have zero tolerance for sexual harassment. Well, what does that mean? They never worked around women before. Now, somebody that's a civilized, you know, worked in a corporate environment and they've got men and women's restrooms, there's a certain kind of conduct that you have in an office. But if you've been doing construction your whole life and you've always worked around men, nobody's ever clarified to you exactly what does that mean. And one of them is when you have somebody in the back sleeping that's a girl, you don't go through her underwear drawer. You don't rip open the curtain trying to see her in her pajamas. Um, you don't go through her phone. You don't um, whatever it is. Um, and let me add really quickly what I'd like to see besides having a, a the 800 number. I'd like to have an alternative watchdog group so that if you're not getting the satisfaction from your company and you're getting retaliated against, you have somebody to call that's going to call up and say, this person, you know, what if nobody helps them? I would like to see even the uh, truck stops get involved where, like right now at some of the rest areas, they have a police um, uh, thing you can push. If you're having an emergency, you can push it. It'll call the police for um, 
roadside emergencies. Um, college campuses did this when they had a lot of rates. Um, in the 80s, they put these posts in that have a blue light, and you push it. I would like to see the – and they have it for the children at 7-Elevens. It's called a safe safe haven. If you're getting bullied coming home from school, you can go inside the 7-Eleven, and you can stay there, and you'll get a safe ride home or something like that. The kids That's, are ganging up on you. I'd like absolutely. to see the truck stops get involved in this, where if a girl is being isolated or, um, you know, like one guy, he didn't want to take me to the terminal. He had me at a Flying J and refused to take me to the terminal. I didn't have any resources, but if they had something like this at the truck stops where I could, it was a safe haven and I could have said, this guy, he won't, you know, i got to get off this truck. And there was a little network in place. I could get a shuttle to a motel and get yeah, yeah. um that's until until my dispatcher comes on on Monday and helps me out or whatever I'd like to see the truck stops do some sort of a safe haven thing where if a girl is being um harassed or abused or um uh, kept you know mm-hmm. uh right. isolated and stuff she can go in and say I need help I need to be removed from this truck I can't get a hold of blah 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 and, and whatever actually, that will make the companies actually a little more alert because nobody is going to want to have too many of those SOSs. It's going to show that, hey, you know, what's up with your company? You're not, you know, you're not taking care of, uh, we're getting away too many from yeah. this company A versus company B. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to give this over to Alan. I, I really appreciate it. He let me, uh, you know, he knew how much this meant to, to me and I was so excited and he said, well, go ahead and host it and, um, I was really, really excited about that. But Alan, you're <clears throat> you're taking care of the chat room tonight. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Desiree, you're 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 just awesome with all this, and um, you're just an inspiration to a lot of people. I just want to uh, say thank you to NJ Catwoman out there for having the courage to put that yes. video up. Um, I was when I saw it. Actually, I subscribed to her videos, and I saw it come in my email. And um, I was like, "Oh wow, uh, this is this is really awesome." So uh, uh, that took a lot of courage. So yeah. um, thank you that's so much. Been, that's, been, nice uh, that's been a really big uh, thing having that video and having everybody kind of put, you know, their perception of what's going on. And I don't know if I said this earlier that the CRST sexual harassment case, ha- it was dismissed. On a technicality. Oh yeah, but, but it was it, it was it was uh, refiled for appeal, so it's going back to court, and um, it is going to be an active case again, and these women are going to get their stories heard. After all, they are going, the EEOC is going through um, with that, and they filed for their appeal. Excellent. Oh, that's great. Okay. Well, that's good news. Yeah, that's good to know. Okay, yeah. well, we're, we're about wrapping it up. I'm glad you said that, Desiree. I didn't even know that, so that's good to know. So, well, uh, well, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll keep following you and keep in touch and keep this thing going out there. Okay. All See right. Later. All right. Thanks. All right. Good night, guys. Thank you. Good night, Bye-bye. good night, Desiree. Thank you. All right, Donna. Thanks uh, for uh, whatever everything that you did. It's a good show. Um, and we're just about out of time. So thanks again to uh, Trucker Desiree for being here. And uh, 
Maybe next time we can catch Tom Hansen. Don't know what happened to that. He might have just gotten busy. But special thanks to all the listeners tuning in through the World Wide Web, through their phones, and, of course, to everyone in the chat room. We appreciate it very much. And, and uh, our next show will be on Thursday, December 10th, 2009, at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, when I'll be reiterating those issues that we will continue to be working on through 2010, as well as giving my outlook on the outlook of the OTR industry for 2010. So I hope you uh, will join us for that. So uh, until next time, for Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith, and along with uh, Donna, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Drive safe.